Welcome back to season four of Warriors Unite podcast with me, your host, Carolyn, where I'm joined again by some incredible guests as they take us on their journey and us warriors unite. Welcome back to this week's episode of Warriors Unite podcast with me, your host, Carolyn. This week, I'm being joined by the lovely Mircha. Hi, Mircha. How are you? Hello, Caroline. Nice to be here. Um, would you like to um, tell the listeners where you're joining us from? I'm actually joining you from Athens, Greece. And it's an odd kind of day weather-wise because uh, I'm sure people, uh, when they hear of Greece, they think, oh, sunny, warm weather. And actually, yesterday we had a snowstorm, which is extremely rare. <laughs> yeah, that's shocking because it is, first of all, you think Greece. God, the sun, all those beautiful yeah. white buildings, you don't think of snow. You don't. And actually, um, I, I, I was thinking about this, that, you know, we take so many things for granted and we're used to, um, you know, how things should be and um, how they should work. And then something uh, out of the ordinary happens. And, um, you know, maybe we can take pause and think uh, of things a bit differently. So the... the Changing weather conditions, I like to think of them as a metaphor sometimes of, and remind myself of, you know, how how much we rely on on just being an autopilot and going through the motions and uh, all the things that are happening in our lives and we're just not paying attention. Yeah. Well, it's also like fear, fear, fear of the unknown and kind of expect the unexpected. Mm-hmm. You know, we're used to just living in the mundane routine Groundhog Day, especially the, these last two years, everything has just been so. To see that, yeah, um, it's quite it's quite shocking to think that there's actually snow in Greece this morning. So you never know. Right? Do you want to? Um, I'm going to hand it over to you, and you can just um, inform our listeners and let them know what it is you um, do in lines of work in your career and practice. Of course. Thank you, Caroline, for this opportunity. Um, so I've. Uh, I started as a scientist, um, actually, um, I think from a very young age, I was always fascinated of how things worked. And I remember asking for a, a birthday present from my dad when I was six years old um, for a microscope and then a chemistry set. So um, I, I think that I, there was always a calling for me to towards science and just asking questions about life and the biology of things. And so I had a, um, a successful career, I would say, as a scientist, uh, first um, specializing in cancer, where I got my PhD um, um, out of having a biochemistry degree uh, in the UK. And then uh, I went uh, to New York to um, specialize in neuroscience because um, I always I was fascinated about how the brain works. Um, and... Um, as I was uh, finishing my studies and then working as a full-time researcher, and actually was also one of the editors of uh, a major science uh, publication uh, called Nature, um, a lot of people close to me um, started falling ill with several chronic illnesses. Um, first of all, my dad uh, was diagnosed with uh, rheumatoid arthritis, and actually, come to think of it now, I'm not sure it was rheumatoid arthritis because back then any kind of pain in the joints was called that. Uh, my mom uh, went through uh, endometrial cancer. 
Uh, my brother uh, was diagnosed with a mental health illness. Uh, my young cousin, who I grew up with, was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And my best friend also had to go through breast cancer. So it seemed to me that a lot of people were um, getting health problems. And I was in a position where I felt responsible because of my knowledge um, to find some kind of solution to them and explain what, what was happening to them. Uh, but also um, act as a translator between them and their doctors and their medical plan. And this is when I, I, I started to realize that uh, there was a whole um, approach to this that was just not working. Um, so the science could only go so far. Uh, doctors' knowledge could only go so far. And we were missing a huge piece of uh, why our bodies, uh, let's say, fail us. Some people talk of glitches. I mean, you can use whatever suits you. Uh, but I soon realized that science could give us some answers, but it could definitely uh, can give us all answers. And there was this whole other aspect that we were neglecting, uh, which was uh, we're not just um, biochemistry, we're not just tissues and organs, uh, but we're also um, what makes us human, which is, you know, our emotions, our thoughts, our mind. Um, our spirit, call it whatever you like. And these things were not being taken into account in the equation of what means to be a healthy human and have well-being or wellness. And so I decided to then um, specialize in um, uh, psychology and uh, hypnotherapy and NLP and EFT and mindfulness and um, many other things that would um, open uh, my knowledge base, but also the way I would look at, you know, um, all aspects of being human. And uh, uh, parallel to this, um, because I grew up a big part of my life, because my father was an expatriate in Thailand, I was very early on um, came to um, be in touch with other religions, also meditation and a, a, another way of looking at spirituality and um, I think that it all comes back to who we are what we are and um, how each and every one of us defines ourselves um, our human boundaries but also how we're connected to ourselves to the people who we love and are close to us but also to everybody else So to cut a very long story short, um, I came to um, had this calling and urge uh, to give back to this community in any way I can and help uh, in a more holistic uh, way um, people who, first of all, you know, are, are suffering. And I know it's very hard to get answers. It's very hard to get a diagnosis. And even if you get one, you're always wondering if it's the right one. And should I be taking medication? Should I not be taking medication? And on top of that, all the mental health that goes with being diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, absolutely. And um, because I always say myself, they do both. They both come. They both come hand in hand. And it's 
especially when it comes to having flare-ups. Um, when you're when you start on a flare-up, your anxiety gets really high, your stress gets really high. So that in itself makes your flare-up really high because one major word when you're in the middle of flare-up that keeps coming to mind is I can't, I can't get out of bed, I can't move, I can't walk, I can't do this. And you're psychologically telling yourself that you're not able to do something, which they and I this is just my personal story because I've battled this for so long in my mental health. You're constantly using the wrong language with yourself. You're using the language with yourself in a negative way. Um, when you when you say I can't get out of bed, are you saying from a point that you physically can't move, that your mobility is that you can't move yourself out of bed, or is it just psychologically saying I can't because I know I'm going to feel worse? But then you you change it to yourself to say, well, I can get out of bed, but I know it's just going to make me feel sicker instead of I can't. So the more stress you're putting on yourself, especially in a flare-up, it just makes the flare-up last longer, I think. It drags the flare-up out because there's nothing positive there's nothing positive coming out of that situation. So it's a vicious circle that's going around and around and around. And you're not even you're not even saying to yourself, Okay, I know this is going to pass. You're just in such a deep, dark place that I find especially this part with people with chronic illness is harder for them to deal with than the actual physical symptoms itself. That's just my that's my personal take on it. I was just wondering what you think. Yeah, um I would agree with you one hundred percent. Um I think it's um so Flare-ups is the hardest when you're dealing with a chronic illness because the way you have either been able to manage them or not or think about them affects your entire life. I mean, there are people who can still have a quote-unquote normal life and know that they will be flaring up, okay? And there are people who um, focus too much on the fact that they will flare up and that stops them from, from doing loads of things. And of course, I'm not saying everybody is the same, not at all. Um, and not all flare-ups are the same, and not all chronic illnesses are the same, and so on and so forth. And it's also, um, uh, but we will talk about that later, um, many people also have more than one chronic illness. So, uh, you know, it could affect you differently from flaring up even greater. But I absolutely agree with you that stress is the number one, as you know, uh, cause for making things worse um, and it is a vicious cycle uh, you're flaring up and then you're stressed about your flare-up and you get anxiety and that makes obviously the flare-up worse because you're getting stressed and creating inflammation and so on and so forth and inflammation is never good no matter what uh, illness you've got how to break that well again it's a chicken and egg story <laughs> I think you need to be personally you need to, if you want to, obviously, put in the work before it. Do the thing. Um, have a routine that helps you manage your flare-up or your thoughts, your emotions. But you can only do that if you practice when you're okay. Because when you're flaring, then it's too late. Your mind will be hijacked by your stress response and it gets too high. So meet with maybe the help of somebody or on your own. Be aware of what works for you. I don't like one-size-fits-all solutions. Yes, meditation, talk about meditation, of course. It helps and can help many people. I'm not saying it's necessarily for you. 
And if it is for you, and there's so many times, that, again, you need to just experiment. I think, um, like you said, Caroline, if you pay attention to the body and the emotions and your thoughts, and as soon as you have kind of an idea of what's going on, then you can also try and experiment and get to know who you are. Yeah, I agree there. It is a total body scan, isn't it? Because everybody is totally different and no two people are the same. Um, and it's a, it's a thing it took me a year to get into. When I wake in the morning, I open my eyes, I give myself a full body scan because I'm aware then of my emotions and my feelings. And that's what led me to when I know every month I'm going to have a flare-up. It turned out to be when I'm coming onto my cycle, when I'm getting my period. That's when my hormone levels were changing. That's when the blood flow was changing. And by me being aware of what was going on in my body, I was able to plan ahead because I know that ovulating time every month starts off my flare-up. Um, so I would journal a lot of symptoms, the times around when I was having symptoms. And it's to teach yourself, really, isn't it? Because as we can keep going back to, then no two people are the same. You have to figure out what works for you. Um, it is all, it, I, I practice about awareness all the time because I think awareness is used in every single aspect of your life. Um, it tells a lot about your about you individually. Um, so for me, journaling would be something that I did because it led me to now knowing when before I would say to myself, oh my God, what am I after doing now? Is it what stress am I after putting me under? And I couldn't link anything today. So now I know that for two weeks of every month when I know I'm due to have my period, I know I'm going to have a flare up in there so I can get work or study and things I need to get done the two weeks beforehand so I can give my body what it needs excuse me for those two weeks <laughs> it helped my life because for 10 years I was lost I didn't know what I was doing I was stuck because I wasn't aware of my body and what my body needs so for me going down that line of it had worked um, because it got me out of a deeper depression of just saying I can't do anything you know I was now aware of when I was getting my flare-up, and that has just changed for me personally, huge, massively. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, for example, for me, uh, when I had, um, I was diagnosed with GERD precisely, as you all are regurgitating your GERD very early on, like I think it was 21. Um, and actually, it's funny because I never thought of it as a chronic illness. <laughs> uh, when I was diagnosed by the doctor, um, they gave me, uh, they said, okay, from now on, you won't be sleeping flat on a flat bed anymore and then you won't you know you have to take all these things out of your diet alcohol caffeine chocolate sweets but um you know soda drinks uh, anything like <laughs> and i was like um i mean i'm just 21 really so um, what i'll just be eating like vegetables and these things for the rest of my life uh, what is that going to do to me my mental health so obviously you know i had days where i would eat what I should be eating and other days where I was cheating and I knew that if I was cheating for too long then I would be getting a flare-up um, so I have things under control now what I do is I know for example you know I shouldn't be drinking coffee so but because it's uh, you know it makes me happy um, I I drink uh, half a cup every morning that's it um, I'm not I haven't taken it completely out and as far as alcohol goes, yeah, maybe, you know, if I'm going to go out once a week, then I'm going to be careful. And on that day, which 
which I know, you know, maybe I want to have a glass or two, then uh, we'll leave the coffee out. So to balance, you know, uh, my, my diet and, and my body. And of course, again, if I know I'm going through an, a stressful day or there's been stressful events, again, I will be mindful that I have to be extra careful with my diet today. Holidays, then maybe you know I can let go <laughs> because I'm relaxing. Uh, so I really do think it's, it's different uh, for everyone. And you mentioned journaling, and I think that works for many people. For me, what works with my stress and anxiety levels is um, making sure I sleep well. When I mean sleep well, it's not so much the hours uh, that I clock in, but the quality of sleep. And again, I have realized that, you know, uh, I shouldn't be drinking any caffeine after 11 in the morning, um, no alcohol, that really messes up my sleep, and make sure I calm my mind before I fall asleep, because then I take my anxious thoughts into my sleep, sometimes I don't even know why, and when I get up in the morning, as, as soon as I wake up, I jump out of bed, and I don't know why, because I've carried things from the day before, and I know if um, I don't take too much alcohol, then that's going to happen, and that's okay. <laughs> um, and again, there the, the comes this question of, you know, should we just be doing, um, I don't know, um, non-meditative stuff? Well, when my anxiety and stress levels were really high because of uh, a series of very stressful events in my life, um, actually uh, two years ago with, uh, with COVID uh, and the pandemic, um, I went to the neurologist because I had uh, some symptoms that were new to me. So dizziness, uh, shortness of breath, uh, palpitations, um, um, and I just couldn't figure out where they were coming on. There was no real pattern to them. So I wanted to at least um, make sure that it wasn't something serious or something. You know, I just wanted to rule out some things. Uh, to cut a long story short, I did see four five or six specialties um, and <laughs> they couldn't find anything wrong which is good and of course when they they don't know what's wrong with you what do they say oh then it's your mental health illness <laughs> yeah it's uh, you're making it up or you're it's panic attacks uh, and i'm like uh no i am your mental health practitioner and i know what they're like they're not nice <laughs> Um, and they said, okay, the only way around this is, you know, to, uh, you know, obviously take uh, medication. Uh, because I personally, I don't like medication. I'm not against it at all. And I do think it helps. But I think it helps in the short term. What I'm against is chronic medication. Like long-term medication. Why? Because maybe what you're treating, like the symptoms will go away. You will never be able to deal with the underlying cause. Also, if you're on chronic medication, your body starts to become um, used to it. It metabolizes the medication quickly, so then you have to um, get a higher dose, or maybe things don't work, and so on and so forth. And what are you doing to your body is that you are um, asking it to live now with this external chemistry ingesting it doesn't really know what it's about because it's synthetic so it's not used to know how to treat it or what to do with it um so as i said i am not, i just want to make 
clear that I'm not against education. It can really help in the short term, but I have a plan to wean off whatever medication we're off, just to check the symptoms, just to be able to also heal and work through the underlying cause. I've taken, I suffer with terrible anxiety. I won't say I suffer. I battle with anxiety and panic disorder. Um, excuse me. It comes hand in hand, I think, basically with with my condition anyway, because there's always the anxious fear of, am I on my feet too long? Am I going to faint? So that brings on anxiety before you even leave the house. But I've battled with mental health issues since I, I was 12, I think. But I do believe that medication for mental health works if it's a chemical imbalance. I totally agree for something there like that. I've been on and off it myself through the years. Only I do it for six months. I do it for six months and then I come straight off it. Now I have to say, when I came off it this time, they, I was getting some, even though I was only on a low dose, but I was the lower the dose I was using was to get me off to sleep at nighttime because my anxiety was through the roof at nighttime and I wasn't sleeping. And I had just given up al- I had just given up alcohol as well at the same time. And for me, it was fine for the six months. It did what it did. But I didn't want to be using something to mask something that was really, that was really there. The mental health, health issues for me were a secondary cause to what my chronic illness was, the primary cause. But it was always treated, it was always treated the other way around. When I would self-harmed um, many, many years ago because I was trying to come to terms with the fact that I was feeling so, so ill on the inside, but on the outside, I looked perfectly fine. And when I would go to see a doctor, the, the invisible illness, the hidden illness, because they couldn't see it. When I started self-harming, that then became the primary condition because they could see something and they could they could treat something. So between that on and off for years, I would have been on the medication. But like that, I do only for six months. And this time around, I said when I wanted to stay off using alcohol as a coping mechanism for what I was dealing with and to not be obviously I'd stopped drinking before I was taking the medication and not been doing that what could work for me what tools could I teach myself to carry with me for life um and that's where I started doing my diploma in mindfulness and then mindfulness cognitive behavioral therapy now it was never to coach or teach somebody else was for my sons I have two two sons um they're 20 and 14 if they are ever suffered with anxiety or anything like that, I'd be able to help them. But it was for me because I had to put these tools in place to deal with myself and my body. Because at the end of the day, uh, nobody knows my body like I do. Yes, this is this is so true. Um, but to to be honest, I think it's it's a long debate. Uh, the debate about medication because um, a lot of people want it, ask for it. Um, and again, I think it saves lives. So please, if you're on medication, you know, don't don't take this uh, as advice that you should stop. You should consult with your physician for sure. Uh, what I am, I think, advocating, uh, same as you, Caroline, is that you know your own body. Whatever you're taking, whatever you're doing for your chronic illness, then just pay attention. Whatever medication you're taking, sometimes it's more than one, obviously, so it's harder to do, but how do you feel immediately after taking it? How long does it take for you to kick in? When, you know, what what makes a difference? Does it, is it always the same? Is it always working? If it's not working, what else is going on? Um, and if it is working, 
um, could you perhaps together with your physician or your GP or whoever is, is looking after you, your medical team, get a plan together to decrease the dosage and start, as I said, seeing if, you know, um, you don't need it that much. And I think, and this is a real problem, and you mentioned it, darling, in the beginning, that it's the fear of the unknown. Um, if we've taken something and it works for us, then comes the fear of, oh my God, what's going to happen if I stop? The fear of, I don't want to take that pain again. Um, I don't want to feel depressed again. I don't want to feel, you know, my heart pounding like it's going to break. Um, I don't want to fear, um, you know, uh, having such low blood pressure that I would faint and hit my head. As I said, you know, my, my cousin who I love to bits, he's on... Um, multiple sclerosis medication, which is working for him. And um, I worked with him very closely, and I said to him, you know, you, you're going to have to choose the medication you need. There are these five companies available to you. Don't just look at what works, but also they have different side effects. What side effects can you, can your body cope with? What side effects are okay for your lifestyle? what side effects and what medication will allow you to keep working. So he's a, he's a captain uh, in the ships. Uh, and so he changed, I think, three or four, and he found something that works for him. And uh, we also did a lot of emotional and mental work. And actually, uh, he got his scans um, four months ago now. And um, they were much, you know, he's, he's doing really great. Um, and uh, we, we can't, they've all but cleared. And so I said, okay, I know you're afraid. I know, you know, you think, and your doctor has probably told you that, you know, you will never be off medication because you run the risk of, you know, um, this illness is incurable and it will only get worse. And you also run the risk of maybe not walking and mobilizing and all those sorts of stuff. But your scans show a different picture. Let's work together and see. Um, take it step by step. If we can um, take you off the medication or decrease the dosage, see what happens. Um, and, and so we're at that stage now. Um, so there is no one size fits all. And I am so happy and glad through my uh, science, if I may put like my scientific hat for a while, that we are unique. We have unique DNA. We have unique experiences. We have unique emotions. You know, your happy is not my happy. Um, your sad is not my sad. And we have unique thought patterns and unique environments that we live in. And that's great because that makes us uniquely um, in the position to uh, find a solution that works for us and work with our uniqueness and start healing from within um, and do whatever we can to help in the healing journey that we are and not just wait for external resources to tell us what to do because they just don't know what we've been saying is all along and we'll keep saying it is everybody is unique there's no two you could have two people sitting beside each other that have both been diagnosed with the same thing but you can be 110 percent sure that both people are developing totally different symptoms working like you said with medication 
it doesn't work for everybody, not the same medication works. It's everything is about trial and error, but you have to remember it's your body and it's always what's best for you mentally and physically. What you can do that will ease you. And there's an awful lot of a rabbit hole out there as well, um, into toxic positivity. There's an awful lot of it on social media I see as well with a one shoe fits all kind of um do this and do it's like when you go to your doctor and the first thing the doctor says to you, you need to go and lose weight or you need to go and exercise more. There isn't a one shoe fits all. You do what's best for you, but you won't know what your body needs if you don't try and say friendly experiment with it because you got to learn to know yourself all our lives when we grow up we're adapting to other people's beliefs what other people tell us to do from from the moment we're born as babies so when we get to adulthood we get to stage and we're kind of uh, what do i do now because we haven't got to know our bodies or our minds properly because we're getting it from outside interference and the same in the medical world it's somebody else telling you what to do so whether it be you need medication or whether you be that you decide to go down an alternative route you won't know what's best for you basically is what we're both trying to say unless you step out of your comfort zone step out of the fear and try it because i will tell you 500 days ago somebody told me i would be speaking like the way i'm speaking now i would have laughed at them and curled up on the bed and carried on drinking my bottle of vodka and swallowing myself into depression. Um, but I'm here now because I stepped out of my comfort zone and I faced the fear. I still feared it, but I faced it anyway. Um, and I can now open my eyes in the morning and I just, I'm happy to be here. I'm just happy and el elated just to be alive. And I say, okay, Dave, bring it on. What will it bring on today? Because now I'll try and find a way to figure something out like cognitively i am not the best like when it comes to studying i have this i'm still waiting to see neurologist this thing called endophthalmalacia is that what it's called i've never they don't they found a congenital brain malformation basically they told me recently in mri and that's what they named it at but again in ireland i'm waiting two years to see a neurologist now um but from what i know of it is anything that's in the written it's down in written words I, it doesn't work in my brain and it makes a load of sense because it would take me three years to read one book and i'd have to keep rereading and reading so basically what i'm trying to say is study and the written word has always been hard for me but i found my way to do it and my way to study and i got my diplomas and it might have taken me longer, but I found my way, but I found a way that works for me. And I in, and I enjoy life now to hence to when I just was saying, oh, this is my life. I've got this illness. This is this. This is that. It's not. There's there's more to it there. You just have to find out what works for you. Take the chance. Face the fear. Absolutely agree with you, Caroline. And what you've done is so courageous and um, being diagnosed with a chronic illness or several chronic illnesses takes courage. It takes courage to get up every day and find a reason to fight. Um, uh, I guess we, all of us need a reason to get up, but uh, if you are facing um, a difficult uh, chronic uh, condition that uh, goes along with 
fatigue and pain and all sorts of somatic symptoms or debilitating mental health symptoms, then you need that extra uh, motivation. And I think that motivation is there for any, every, and each one of us to find it for themselves and believe in something um, outside of yourself maybe, or if you can't do it for yourself, then maybe for somebody who's close to you and wanna see you get better, wanna see you live a longer life, whatever works. Um, and I, I totally agree with the toxic positivity. It's not about putting on a brave face every day. It's not about being positive. And it's not about thinking, oh, I'm gonna cure this and you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, if you don't believe in it. <laughs> but believing that you can live better with a chronic condition, that you can uh, reach a point where you don't flare up that much. Or maybe it's so rare that it doesn't really affect your life anymore. And, and if you do flare up, then that's okay. Then maybe that's a signal that you need to rest now and just change something. And I would say, um, if maybe that helps a little bit more than the positivity, what I do is um, be curious about every day, be curious about every symptoms. Hmm, okay, so I'm feeling this now. I wonder what that is. Is that something I felt before? Or does it look similar to this? Or is it completely different? And what should we call this then? And what did I do yesterday that may be, you know, linked to this? Um, just have a curiosity about life. And I think that at least helps me and people I've worked with, if it's a chronic um, health condition or if it's a mental illness. Um, because if you internalize and identify with labels, then you risk fulfilling the label, um, unfortunately. And so I know that it's important for a lot of people to get a diagnosis, uh, but please be careful why you want a diagnosis. I always say that it's great to have a diagnosis in terms of it's helping you with your healing process. I, okay, now I have kind of an idea of maybe what's wrong with me and what to expect. So can, what can I preemptively do if I can do something? Can I be proactive in some areas? Um, what should I focus or pay attention to? Rather than I, oh, I've got this and this has these 20 symptoms um, I've only got five of them so I should be expecting the next 15 to come yeah. on soon because then what are you doing it's as if you're telling your body okay bring it on <laughs> you know where are the other 15 symptoms out of the 20 they told me I should be having um yeah so I, I know it's not easy I know it's hard uh but um treat it with your diagnosis with curiosity um and see how you can be different maybe, uh, from what the textbooks say and how you can surprise science and medicine. Um, and uh, if some days are bad and you can't be curious and you just want to like, I don't know, lie in bed and wallow in, in grief and self-pity, that's okay too, as long as it's not longer than maybe half a day <laughs> or one day. As long as you say, okay, you put a deadline, you know, you just, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be doing this for the next two hours. 
And then I would make a promise to myself to get up and do, I don't know, wash the dishes, do something else. Um, and in terms of exercise, you mentioned just, just very quickly to say this, that exercise is important. Science has, has shown this. The problem is that people, when they think of exercise, they just say it's like, oh, cardio and running and, and getting on the bicycle and doing heavy lifting and blah, 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 and all sorts of things. No. I would say reframe exercise in your mind as just movement, whatever kind of movement you can. And the reason I say movement is that we've, it's been shown, and I'm sure also if you're aware of your own body, if you move in a different way, then your neurophysiology will change. Mm -hmm. Movement in your body has also shown to change your hormonal secretion, the biochemistry in your head. So many times, if you just need to get out of your head and deal with those thoughts, just move. Just make yourself not be able to think, if <laughs> if I may say it uh, simply. I hope this helps, Carol. Yeah, I do. I absolutely agree with what with, well, obviously I agree with everything that you're saying. It's just all leads back to getting to know your own body, really, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, if you may, may add something to the movement part, um, some people may not be able to get out of bed um, or maybe they get periods where they can't. Um, just, again, be aware of your body and what movements it can do. Even rolling uh, in your bed helps when I may rolling like from one side to the next and maybe roll it a bit more to the right and more a bit, little bit more to the left or do a whole roll, or even switch sides, you know, just do a 360 degree if you can, just moving your legs around or your hands around. Anything uh, that puts the attention on the movement of your muscles will take you out of your head. Um, <clears throat> and it's exactly what you said, don't invite the emotions for a cup of tea. Um, when we get into the thoughts of, this means the this equals this and then that's it we're down the rabbit hole instead of trying to attach meaning or causation stay with the sensation and the feeling for example in terms of anxiety or stress is that okay it's not about oh i'm anxious because blah 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 but it's more like hmm, so i can feel my heart being a bit louder and perhaps pumping more blood uh, and uh, is that different than last time? Uh, and be curious about it and maybe play a game like what used to help me was, um, because I love playing with, you know, medical gadgets, would be to take my blood pressure and say, okay, I wonder if uh, it's going to be a bit lower than last time, even though I know I'm really anxious. Maybe if it was, I don't know, 104, 40, 150 bits per minute, I was like, okay. How long will it take me through breathing to take it down? And just we watching the dial. Just the fact that you're watching the dial makes you pay attention to something different mm -hmm. than your worrying thoughts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so of meditation in itself, you can meditate to anything. The whole point of it is, is just focusing on the one thing, being present at that very moment, being aware of what you're doing at that moment. And it takes away. That's why when people suffer anxiety or panic attacks, and some people laugh it off and say, Why breathing? What does that do? You're focusing on nothing else but that breath. At that moment, you're focusing on the breath. 
and these things work they've been proven to work that's why they're around for generations and as you were saying with your like being a, an investigator when my heart rate gets so high and i'm starting to get these bells palsy i think i know what i can do but so now i'm what i do it on my watch i lie in the ground i elevate my legs and i watch my heartbeat and i say to myself playing a game how quick can we get it down this time? Because I know by doing that, I can get my heart rate to come down. And I will time myself. And I was laughing. It was only last night. I spend all my time, basically, when I'm watching TV on the ground with my legs elevated up against the wall. I've done it for years and years. People could call over and swear with Carol and me down on the ground because I'm comfortable there. It works for me. But I do play that game. So I do. Th I think that's really um, that's a really good tip because I use it. It works for me as well. Yes, precisely. If we can remember a little bit of that childhood play-like um, state, uh, then that helps a lot because kids, especially very young kids, they don't understand labels and symptoms they they just want to play they will do anything to play and even if they get injured you know they fall you know yes it will hurt they will cry for a little bit and as soon as you know a friend calls them then they will get distracted and back into playing again and i think we've, we've forgotten we're just too serious about what is happening to us and um yes uh i'm not saying uh do to not be um cautious or uh, aware of uh you know what you should and shouldn't be doing but again what these shoulds and the shouldn'ts um i think vary from person to person and um if you can start playing with your body and even your symptoms um you can, you can even have something like a bingo scorecard um <laughs> I always find that helps and uh, that will also, you know, help you monitor because I think some people, when we tell them pay attention and monitor and be your own private investigator of when the symptoms come up, you know, how, you know, how are they, blah, blah, blah. Um, they're afraid of doing it because they think it will exacerbate them or it will be, it, it, they will pay too much attention to them, but actually the opposite will happen um don't do it seriously do it as a game with curiosity then you will have all the information you need in no time if you do it too seriously then you will be fearful of it and you'll be anxious and of course it will get worse um, our bodies have our dna has a full bl blueprint of how it needs to function properly something went wrong at one point who cares what or one. The good news is that the information is there. We just need to learn how to listen to it and help it um, maybe pay attention, reorganize the information that goes to our cells and our organs to do something different than what they're doing at that moment where we were, you know, not feeling well and flaring up and having symptoms. And you know what? When you don't have flare-ups and your symptoms are so low that they're not even distracting you anymore, you're, you don't even, I mean, you feel them in the background, but you know, it's not an issue. Then are you really chronically ill? And does it matter? 
I mean, for years, as I said, I had no idea that GERD was a chronic illness. Right? Nobody told me that. So I never thought myself of having a chronic condition. I was like, okay, every now and then I do these stupid things and I don't feel well. So I need to be careful. And that's it. Yeah. So you're saying, like, could you put these conditions into different categories, basically? Chronically in being right what, what what we know from layman's terms from not anybody that studied like you have in this to anybody when you're saying in the chronic illness community chronic illness is a condition that has no cure that has doesn't go away that's there all the time whether you have mild symptoms or your symptoms are huge whether you can get up and have a live do you say live a normal, healthy life when you're living with a condition 24-7? Or does it be the days that you can get out and go to work versus the people that are at home in bed and can't move? Should there Do you think there should be different categories then for um, for chronic illness? Like I know per, for me personally, when I have my flare-up, that's when all my symptoms are exacerbated. Everything flares. But I know it comes and goes and it will pass. Do I live day to day without symptoms? No. Do I every time I stand up have the dizziness blackout? Do I still have um every day like tightness or feel of nerve damage? Do I wake up in pain every morning? Yes. Should I not count those as a chronic illness just because it's not an extended flare up? I would say that do whatever works best for you. Yeah. Which means if it's easier and helps you with your symptoms in your life to say, I'm living with this, this is what I have, this is how I deal with it, and that's it. Or I choose to believe that my illness is curable and yeah. I'm doing this and blah, blah, blah. Again, whatever works for you and your belief system is very important and your values. Mm. Um, it goes a long way with you know how we define our chronic illnesses and as i said you're absolutely right can i do something okay, because there are different levels of chronic illnesses but not just in terms of symptoms uh but things that have let's say come together to give you those symptoms so maybe it's the environment you lived in together with maybe some genetic mutation which may have or may not have been identified yet maybe it's also past trauma or emotional stress um a i don't know a crisis that suddenly you know the, the pandemic you know of course you get crisis on its own um, losing somebody losing your job all these things um of course have an impact on your mental health, emotional health, and bodily health. Um, and we tend to pay attention more to body symptoms than other symptoms. I don't want to be one of those people who say that, oh, you know, your chronic illness symptoms are all trapped emotions. No, because I don't know that, do I? I'm not no. saying that emotions that have not been processed don't play a role of course they do but please be careful of one-to-one -one causations okay it is it is a it is multifactorial 
and only you know this is why I always advocate that you need to be working on all of you. We are four-dimensional human beings. We need to have the right building blocks, right? The, the, the right nutrients at the right amount. And that will not be the same for me, Caroline, as it is for you. You know, avocados could do wonders for me and be the worst for you, right? I mean, and so on and so forth. Uh, and then the other dimension, emotions. We don't have the same emotions and at the same level. I might uh, express anger more often than you do. You might express sadness more often. Um, have you processed these emotions? Do you know where they're coming from? Maybe you need a professional, um, you know, working with a professional in the mental health industry to help you through them or not. You know, if you're a person who's in the self-growth industry or is aware and is doing loads of meditation, maybe you have an or in mindfulness is another way of dealing, you know. I'm not saying you should seek professional help, but it goes a long way sometimes. And then mindsets. We all know that the mind, our thoughts, the words we say, say a lot of how we structure our world inside and outside. And then spiritually, the connection to each other. Yeah. Do we feel love? Do we feel enough love around us? Can we also express, do we have a means of expressing our love for anything? It doesn't have to be like people, pets, nature, I don't care. But if a person doesn't have this cycle of being able to express their love somewhere and also feel love, then again, there's a problem there. And I know that it sounds a lot, but hey, we're complicated human beings and that's great, isn't it? Just be curious about what um, you can surprise yourself with what you, the intelligence and the wisdom you have within you. And like you said, Caroline, unfortunately, People and social media and a lot of misinformation out there are running interference. Um, and all you need to, to know is that you have the intelligence and the wisdom within you to take yourself, your body, your emotions and your thoughts to where you want them to go. Yeah, no, I agree that. I can smile and laugh because I understand this when 16 months ago, you speaking this now would have all went over my head because not one of it would have made, it wouldn't have made sense and it wouldn't have made sense to me because it was the fear of the unknown i didn't go and try and figure that figure any of this out 16 months ago i was in a dark and horrible place that i was choosing to stay in every day because of fear of the unknown of fear of making a change to where I am now so when I always say when I can speak in it personally I can speak in it personally because I it's a long journey and a very powerful journey when you learn to control your own mind and what you put into your own mind and even down to eating your mind is you're still controlling your mind and telling your mind what needs to go into your mouth whether it's good nutrition or it's bad nutrition which therefore like your gut is your second brain which therefore that gets upset, which is going to cause inflammation, which upsets your whole body. Just take the time and get to know yourself. Get to know your mind and what you do. And the outcome changes because I get so passionate about it because I knew nothing about this so long ago till I started studying. And it makes me very emotional because all of it's true. Like when somebody 
years ago would be saying stuff to me I would say oh that's Buddhism now and you're just mad that everything's great because I was ignorant because I didn't know you know I didn't know and um, now to wake up and know that you have the power to control your own thoughts to control how your outcome is which leads to the control of your, your brain is an organ the same as all the organs in your body you can make yourself feel better you can make yourself feel healthier if you have less stress then you have maybe have lower or be able to manage your flare-ups because we know stress is a major 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 symptom for flare-ups and it all comes down to just your way of thinking i done it i took the time to do it it can be done and i feel now i can say i work with my condition you know we work we work together i have power over it it will never ever i can tell you this have power over my life again that's amazing and so empowering what you're saying and um i'm so moved by your journey <laughs> um and if i may offer a, a tip uh in people who like to work with their mind and have come across you know visualizations and um, all sorts of other things that they could be doing and maybe it hasn't been working for them if I, if I may offer a different uh, let's say spin on visualizations most people you know visualize you know how their future wants to be okay picture yourself a you know in your perfect health and what you need like in terms of like manifesting you know a, a well-being and, and a healthy life um, in terms of chronic illnesses and coming back to this um, thing about diagnosis, if you have information about what could be going wrong with you, for example, in the case of POTS, it's a, it's a case of circulation and blood pressure, so maybe it's a heart thing, okay? Uh, what you can do is, and you, and you like to Google search things, uh, if you're that kind of person, then go to trusted resources and make yourself understand and visualize what your heart needs to be doing to restore you back to health. Mm -hmm. Give your heart the information that it may be missing to be doing this the right way. And it takes some time and it takes patience. Um, or for example, in the case of an autoimmune illness, and there are so many of them, what is an autoimmune illness? It's what I say, your immune system going into tantrum. Um, somehow, I don't know, it's like this five-year-old kid that's just shouting everywhere, throwing toys everywhere, attacking cells it shouldn't be, and refusing to do its job, which is actually to clear infections, damage cells, or uh, tumor-initiating cells. So maybe you need to try and re-educate it in what it, how it needs to differentiate between the healthy cells and the damaged cells. And there is good information out there. Give yourself those specific visualizations. If it's an immune system problem, or if it's an endocrine problem, or if it's a heart problem, there are good sources out there. I'm not saying we know everything. I'm a scientist, and I'm the first one who advocates that science is only good today, as it will be wrong tomorrow because something else would come up. But at least for now, this is the information we have and give yourself the information visually and feel it 
when that, okay, uh, my heart needs to be doing this, my immune system needs to be doing this, my nervous system needs to be regulating this way in order for me to heal. That is what that is what advocacy is, isn't it? Like getting all the research, knowing yourself and even bringing it to your doctor or your consultant because you're learning more, the doctor is learning more, then that's how we can work we can work together to help each other out. That's what advocacy is. Like when I say medical gaslighting, I mean to where you're going to see a doctor or and they're just basically turning around and saying to you, Oh just here, just it's all in your head. Like to hear that is the most horrible and detrimental thing to ever be told. And you believe that and it brings on the anxiety and you believe all these symptoms shouldn't be there. And it can lead you down a very dangerous. I know and I've read of a lot of people that have taken their own lives because of those words that have just come out. I read an article recently um, where an actual medical professional, she was after getting COVID and she works in the ED department and she was after getting COVID. And then she had went back to work and she came out of work because she's getting pins and needles and numbness all down her left hand side. She couldn't actually walk. She lost the use of her legs and her partner brought her into their local um, hospital. They'd done examination. The doctors went out, came back into um, came back into the ED department and handed her a little card and said, there's the phone number of a good therapist. Every And she said, I have dealt with patients like this and done it, but she said I am a medical profession I thought going in here everything would be done and they would say to and I was handed a card from one of my own peers to tell me and go get professional mental health and she had long COVID and all the symptoms of long COVID you know and see that you can change somebody's whole world by just saying those it's on your head just step forward if you don't know what it is and if you're not interested in knowing what it is say to a patient i can't take on this case but i can refer you to somebody that does you're doing you are more beneficial to your patient by doing that and they will respect you so much more by do, because it's okay to not know all the answers none of us do none of us know all the answers you just want a team of people to work together and we all get a little bit somewhere for each individual so that's why i love this community and started this podcast because it's everything is about the individual person's story be it my story be it your story be it any of the other patients that i've on we all give our opinions because we're human beings and we're entitled to do that and we're entitled to say and try and give tips or hints to somebody else sure thank you caroline um so yeah um when we were in, in lockdown at the second uh, half of 2020 and um, me going through anyway my personal world like every many people's got turned upside down and I'm just not saying because of the lockdown I, I lost quite a few people um, I decided that okay well how can I turn this into an opportunity you know I can't get out of I can't see people because I was used to seeing people face to face obviously um, and maybe, you know, remotely, but not so much. So, okay, how can I reach out to the rest of the world? And how can I also connect? Um, so my, the Instagram account started mostly with me trying to connect with um, 
the chronic illness community all over the world and listen to stories and see if I can find patterns. And um, um, I started chatting to a lot of people and um, realized that I can be of help and what I can offer and I try to offer with all my heart is good information. Uh, if I don't know something, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Because, as I said, being a successful scientist, I know how to read research and read between the lines. And it's very important to believe things always with a pinch of salt. Because, as I said, um, whatever study you read, it's got to do with statistics. It's got to do with the general population. And it might give you hints, but it's definitely not the full story. And it's definitely not your story. Um, so when I started the Instagram page, um, at the beginning, I, I just wanted to uh, put some information out there. And uh, um, hopefully with that information, people can, you know, take up whatever they feel is useful to them and forget about what's not. And, um, you know, my hope and wish is same as you for um, to build awareness that it's so important to be your own PI um, and um, monitor your symptoms and your illness, monitor your thoughts, monitor your emotions, and um, try and get your own team together. Like be your, the entrepreneur of your own body, uh, as I say. You know, uh, what team would you need around you? Maybe it's a therapist sometimes, or a coach, or uh, yeah, maybe you need, you know, somebody to help with your, your mental health, somebody to, you know, for your goals and dreams, and, and somebody to help you get back to work, and uh, maybe, and a couple of people, or physicians to monitor your medications or other symptoms that may come up, or, you know, if there is something serious, then you've got some, somebody to call in an emergency. Um, so, yeah, you, um, hopefully with the information I put out there, people can... Um, be their own team and start um, understanding in a different way in layman's terms, you know, what it is they're facing. And um, I'm always open uh, to questions. I love answering people's questions. And um, if, if you need any help or any tips, or if I can help in any way, then please DM me on my Instagram account. And I'll be happy to help you with in every way I can. If, and if I can't help you, then I will let you know. It really does take um, it takes a village. Do you know the way they used to say it takes a village to raise a child? But when you're in, dealing with chronic illness, you need a good support system because it's not always out there. You don't get people don't understand and they don't want to ask questions. And be your own investigator. Be your own advocate. Don't if somebody closes the door on you and says no, don't go home. I think that's it. Go find another door to knock at and find another answer and just keep going because I will put all your information into the bio uh, when we're releasing this episode. Thank you so much for taking your time out. Um, it's been an absolute honour and a pleasure. Thank you so much, Caroline, for this opportunity. It was absolutely amazing and a, an hour well spent, I wouldn't spend it in any better way. So thank you so much for this. And um, thank you for all the work you're doing for this community. And let's all stick together, share our information. And hopefully, as you said, the more information is out there about the chronic illnesses, 
the various symptoms, then the quicker we can get this to the right people, uh, even if it's to get maybe different medications or whatever treatment plan there is, and hopefully people can start feeling better and sooner rather than later. Yep. First of all, I would like to apologize for um, some of the technical issues as Dr. Marto was in Greece and was in the middle of a snowstorm at the time of recording. So again, I would like to say a huge, huge thank you to Dr. Marto for taking her time out to do this episode with me. I really, really enjoyed it. And if anybody would like any more information on Dr. Marto, you can find her on Instagram. I will put all her information in the bio. Thank you again for joining us. And I do hope you will come back again as us warriors unite. <laughs>